0: This episode of the Punk Rocket Show is brought to you by the label Iodine Recordings. Their catalog includes great punk, pop punk, and hardcore bands like Smoke or Fire, The Iron Roses, Hey Tanks, Stretch Armstrong, The Darling Fire, and many many more. It's not complicated, all the bands on Iodine Recordings are a great fit on this podcast run by great humans with good values. Oh, and if you're a vinyl lover like I am, check their selection of gorgeous colored LPs. Thank you so much, Iodine, for supporting this podcast. Check the show notes or visit iodinerécords.com and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 95. My name is Emily Flamondon. I live in Quebec City in Canada. I'm super passionate about punk rock music, but also about ska, hardcore, emo, street punk, pop punk, everything that is punk rock related. And I have the pleasure to be your host. Today, my guest is Dennis Jagger of the band 10Football. We had an incredible conversation so I'm super excited to present you this interview. I also make you a recommendation for the orgasmic skate punk band from Winnipeg One of Us. So we're gonna have a great show today and I hope you're ready because it's starting now. Everyone, I hope you are doing great today. I'm so happy that you decided to listen to this episode and spend a moment with me. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. I had to take a week off last week because of <laughs> many reasons. First, I had a very bad migraine that lasted like Almost a week. It was really, really bad. But also, I had a lot of problems to coordinate interviews and to schedule interviews. I got cancellations. Some people just couldn't do it uh, that week. So I was like, oh, I have a headache. I have no guests. So I just decided to postpone it and I took a week off. So I used the time I would normally put on the podcast episode to work on my band. And um, so I'm kind of proud of myself because I wrote almost an entire song by myself. I wrote the lyrics, the vocal melodies, piano chords, so then I can send it to the guys and they're going to transform it in a very fast punk rock song. <laughs> so uh, it made me happy to spend a little time on my band. Oh, and I had such a beautiful weekend. I went to a great show on Friday night at one of my favorite venues called La Source de la Martinière in Limolou I had the chance to see four bands. So Call Me Irony, Sudden Waves, Bring the Light. Oh my God. So good. It's a very, it's hardcore punk. So energetic. So incredibly intense in shows. Wow, wow, wow. wow. But, t t-shirt. Oh, I also bought a um, tank top from Call Me Irony. Uh, also, the band Itch and Go Play. They are a very great pop, pop punk band. Uh, I talk about them a lot on the show because they play a lot and I go to almost every show. So it was a fun night. I saw a lot of friends. I was. I, I went in the pit. Also, I went to my local record stores. I bought four vinyls, including the new Turnstile, Glow On. It's not new anymore, but the latest, I could say. Um, Also, Bad Religion, Against the Grain. And I think I literally listened to it probably 10 times this week. I also bought Face to Face, Big Choice. And what's the other one again? Damn, wait. Oh yeah, strung Out, Another Day in Paradise. <laughs> How could I forget? So it was another day in my vinyl paradise. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get my joke? It's a good joke, huh? Yeah, it's fine. More seriously, I wanted to talk to you about some new songs that had been released in the last week. So many great new stuff for you, my friends. Uh, First, you have to listen to the song Honey Bee. It's the new one from I Am The Avalanche. It's very, very good. What a great band. And I, I don't know why. I kind of forget about this band sometimes. But this song totally reminded me how great this band is. And now I regret that I didn't go to their show in Montreal with Bayside. I don't understand why I skipped this one. Also, you have to check the new Brutal Youth song. Ah, oh, wow, it's so good. And they finally announced their new album, Rebuilding Year. It's going to be out on April 21st on Stomp Records. Um, but now you can check a new video and for their new song, Moonstones. And you know what? Oh, I'm going to tell you a secret, but I had the chance to hear some new songs from them when they they played here in Quebec City I think it was with a Willem's Cream and they made me hear a few songs backstage and it's gonna be a very great album trust me I will definitely have to interview them I love to see Brutal Youth in show so much it's so insane <laughs> it's really good the guys are great too so I'm excited for the new album Um, Also, I'm excited for a new 7-inch split from Direct Hit and Descent Criminal. This split is going to be released on April 28th. Direct Hit uh, released their new song Wasteland recently, so this song is going to be on this 7-inch Uh, Oh, also, oh, wow, wow, wow. The new menzinger songs, it's so good. It's called Bad Actors. You should definitely listen to it. All those songs are on my weekly playlist for the week. So you can check on Spotify, Punk Rocket, and you type the date like uh, um, 2023-03-12, for instance. So you can have all my weekly playlists. You can subscribe to my Spotify account my repunkmentation for today is for the fucking great band one of us from Winnipeg in Canada holy hell so if you know me a little you know how much I love fast and technical skate punk melodic punk music so this band is just perfect for me seems like they created this band uh, based on my own taste It's really good um, So uh, One of us released Their first album Called One of us It's a self-titled Well I can't say this word Self-titled Okay uh, It's been released in January So let's listen to their song Wait and Fall It's one of my favorite On this album
1: It's a depression Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job The dollar buys a nickel's worth Going to shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Pumps are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. Stop.
0: as I do, I strongly recommend you the website EpicMerchStore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves and kids merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Frenzel Rom, After the Fall, Diesel, Boy, Krang, Straight Line, Polly, Randy. And many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Slide review merch. This support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmerchstore.com.
1: Interview.
0: And now it's time to listen to the great conversation I had with Dennis, the frontman of 10Football. He's such a great artist, a great human. We talked about his upcoming solo acoustic tour in Quebec, the new album winning. Ah, so good. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should You should pause the episode and listen to it, and then you come back. <laughs> we also talked about some funny tour stories, also about his work as a touring sound man for artists like Prince, Weird Al, Jimmy Itwell, etc and he also told me a very funny story about Prince at the Super Bowl (laughs) really good Um, and we talked about um, songwriting a lot of stuff and I also asked him your questions during the interview you're gonna hear two 10 football songs take back your voice that you can find on the latest album and the getaway enjoy how are you? I'm happy to see you. It's been a while.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm good. I I've been uh it's been exciting. I've been doing a lot of silly stuff and and uh I kind of missed the touring thing. So, it's oh, been a yeah. while since I've been out of town on my own. Dime. Oh, I I yeah. was out with Weird Al, but I didn't get to see people because we were supposed to be in a bubble all the time.
0: <laughs> exactly. Where are you right now? You're at home?
2: Yeah, I'm at home in Boise.
0: Idaho, right?
2: Idaho, yep. <laughs>
0: mm. All right. So last time we, we, we saw each other was like at Festival in Trois Rivières, like three, three years ago, four years okay. ago. Okay. Yeah.
3: I
2: think. Yeah, before the pandemic when we were still touring.
0: Exactly, oh, and you know what? It's funny because some people said, "Oh, you're gonna have Dennis in an, in an interview." I I guess uh, Scott helped you to settle the interview. I'm like, B- uh, actually, I met Dennis before Scott. <laughs> I met you. First. Oh, that's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think, I think I saw your. I I think I saw you singing uh, versions of Rev songs.
3: Yeah, before I, I
2: ever. Matthew mm-hmm. and I—I I think I probably made some Everybody kind of comment about how awesome it was. Yeah, but my band
0: <laughs> opened for you when you were touring solo uh, at Pont Rouge yeah, we were open. yeah, that that
2: was like the first acoustic acoustic yeah. tour. But uh, I guess what I was saying was that I talked to you before that, yeah because yeah. well, at least I wrote I was one of the people who said, this sounds amazing. That's great. you know
0: <laughs> I remember yeah. that we were happy, Simon and I. so yeah, I I know you before Scott, which is funny. and that's because of that show we opened for you that I met Scott after that because he noticed like people opening for you and then we started to chat, so.
2: Yeah, yeah but I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope it's been uh, okay for you for you in your life. I hope it was a. Uh, of course,
0: of uh, course. I'd like to
2: make a positive uh, impact on people's lives. So
0: yeah, you
2: never. We never know.
3: <laughs>
0: Good job for that. Um, so I I have a lot of questions for you. I want to talk about. I don't know your background i have a lot of questions from the listeners for you so uh it's gonna be fun but first i want (laughs) to know how you got into punk rock back in the days and also did you start with uh learning uh, guitar or singing so what everything started for you
2: yeah um well i'll start with my my parents forced me to take piano lessons and i hated it I i hated piano lessons and i was uh I remember actually like sitting at the piano and banging my head on the keys for like two <laughs> hours and they're like, you can't get up until you practice for 30 minutes. And then finally at about 11 o'clock at night, they're like, just go to bed, you know, cause I'm just sitting there like, I don't want to play the piano. Oh, and, um, oh. anyway, so I took the piano for a few years and then, um, then I convinced him to let me switch to guitar. And my mom's like, well, you can take guitar lessons, but it has to be classical guitar. So I played like, you know, a, a, a nylon string guitar for a year or something. Hmm. And then finally I switched over to electric guitar, which is what I wanted to do. And um, of course, I didn't know how to play, but I instantly just went to people's houses and started playing with rock bands. And and um, I guess that was the early 80s, mm. late, yeah, late 70s, early 80s. And so it was like uh, a lot of classic rock and mm-hmm. whatnot. And um, and so one of the first places I found myself was in Scott Radinsky's garage, where he was the drummer. And, um, okay. you know, a lot of the music we were playing was pretty goofy. But within a few weeks, we started um, playing with guys who were really into punk music. And um, so that was kind of my so basically wanting to be in the band was my doorway into being exposed even to punk. Like at, at oh. that time, I liked a lot of stuff like Black Sabbath, and I, I liked a lot of different types of music. But I had never heard anything like Fear or Social mm-hmm. Distortion or whatever, and and so that was kind of exciting. To open up a whole different world of yeah. of. Um, types of music. And, and like, uh, it was, it was fun because the songs were about more interesting things than typical commercial bands.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Oh yeah.
2: I, yeah. Like when you think about that, what's the subject matter? Like what are these guys singing about? And, and the punk rock stuff could be about anything. And so to me, that was really liberating and fun. And so we gravitated toward playing that and, um, and basically, That like that is the start of Ten Foot Pole. Mm -hmm. Like we we were called Scared Straight for a while. We were called a bunch of different names. We had different people come and go, but for whatever reason, I just stuck with it and kept in the same band. And I I was in other little groups like goofing around here and there, but Ten Foot Pole was always like my main band. And even Mm -hmm. when we didn't do anything, it's still like I always came back to that, for better or for worse. I don't know, you know. But but that's uh. It just kept going with different yeah. people in different different situations.
0: Wow! Uh, so, how did you come up with the name? That's a question that a lot of people were asking me to ask you. Maybe you answered that a million times, but why ten foot pole?
2: Yeah, it was um, it was a tricky one. We were under a bit of duress because our name was Scared Straight, mm-hmm. and we were going to Europe. We had already made, I think, three thousand copies of the Swill record. So it was uh, the Swill record was called Scared Straight. I mean, the you know, the band name was called Scared Straight.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, Fat Mike convinced us. It didn't take much convincing, but he was like, you know, you guys really ought to change your name because people think you're a straight edge band. Oh, and it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just not good. You know, it's not a good uh, name for what you guys are because, you know. I mean, when we were 13, we were straight edge and almost everybody was at that age. But, uh, I mean, we weren't intentionally straight edge. We were just 13. So we hadn't, uh, well, some of us had, some of us were, I shouldn't say I should, I can't speak for the whole band because we've had a lot of like guys who were Mm -hmm. basically full on alcoholics at age 13, but, uh, but I wasn't. So (laughs) anyway, so, but we were headed to Europe and we only had a few days to figure out like, well, we wanted to change the name so that people in Europe knew our new name. Mm -hmm. Cause we didn't want to be like, hello, Berlin. It's our first time here. We're going to change the name, but we don't know the new name yet. Like we wanted to say, okay, we know you came to the show to see scared straight, but we're now called. Ta-da. So we just had a big brainstorming session. And, uh, and so 10 foot pole ended up at the top. Um, I think second was ape shit.
0: Ape shit. Pete, nice.
2: Pete, uh, <laughs> Pete really wanted to call the band ape shit. I think, I think asphalt was up there, but ass with two S's. So that's kind of a pun. Oh. Like, like instead of asphalt, like cement, like what the roads made, made of it's ass ass fault. Like you have a problem with your butt. So, uh, 10 foot pole, right? <laughs> the reason 10 foot pole won was well, so, so our band used to be like a, um, in business, they call it a partnership, mm-hmm. but basically the idea being that it was a full on, um, everyone had an equal vote. And and so to do anything, we had to reach consensus. And, um, you know, it's also it, in, in a way, it's like uh, socialism in a sense, too, because y- it's like a group of people who all say, we're all going to work equally and hard and do all everything we can. Yeah. And we all have an equal vote and we're all going to share our resources equally, right? And um, of course, you know how well that works out. There's always like one or two people who work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> then a bunch of other people who complain all the time, but don't do anything. And then. Uh, um, it, so in this case, with the band name, there's um, obviously there's the like kind of phallic sexual connotation of 10 mm. foot pole, which was what.
0: <laughs> Sorry, our I'm old not, I'm guita- not mature our, enough.
2: Yeah. Our old guitarist. You could probably guess by his name, Steve Von Tree Trunk, wanted everything to be about sex. Okay, everything. My my name is Tree Trunk, you know, and <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like like it, everything had to be like a sex joke, and then um, and then so basically by saying ten foot pole, it had the sex part that Steve would like, but I felt like there was also kind of an intellectual side, like. Oh, I wouldn't touch that subject with the 10 foot pole. Yeah, we have like,
0: this uh, expression in French, but similar. Yeah.
2: Oh, how does it go in French?
0: Oh, it's like, uh, it's, we just say pole, but it's kind of the same.
2: Oh, it, but it still is me. a pole?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So oh, cool. I wonder if it was related yeah. to that. But oh, I love, so that was your so meaning, li- your favorite meaning. I liked
2: it because <laughs> it kind of made it sound like, oh, you know, we could talk about whatever we want, even subjects that people wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. Like (laughs) it sounded, uh, polemic, which is like kind of argumentative Mm -hmm. or, or, um, about subject matter. And so to me, that was interesting. Like, um, yeah, at least it sounded a little more intellectual than ape shit. So, so basically back in the day, that's how I won consensus within the band was to, I shouldn't say I won consensus. We reached consensus mm-hmm. through, through me saying, Hmm, Worked. well, Steve's going to like this thing because of that. <laughs> and then I'm going to like it because it's kind of intellectual. And then, you know, wow, that, that was, yeah.
1: Uh, so
2: anyway, but we only had a few days. So maybe if we would have had another couple of days, we would have come up with something totally better. I i don't know.
0: Uh, no, but it, it works. It's perfect. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then we just said never look back. You know, like once you make that decision, yeah, done.
0: Never look back, which exactly. leads me to the album Rev, which is a legendary album among punk rockers. And it's fun that you you still play songs live of that that album. Uh, it's yeah, great. A lot of bands like ditch their old old stuff, but you you never did that. Mm.
2: I'm, I'm tempted to, I mean, you know, it was 1994. So it was the heyday of punk rock. I mean, for me, it's especially like kind of tricky because we changed singers. So obviously for, Mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, so Scott Rudinsky was the drummer, but then he became the singer. Mm -hmm. And then in, in 1995 or so we kicked him out and I took over singing because he was a full-time baseball player and Mm -hmm. we wanted to tour the band. And, and um, so, and I had been the main songwriter, and guitar player before that. So I just tried to learn how to sing. And so, and then we decided we'll never look back, even though there's some haters that even today are like, it's not 10 foot pole if it's not Radinsky. And and I'm just like, well, well, here's the good thing. We didn't destroy the old records. So you can always go back and listen to the old records or you can listen to Pulley. But, um, for the people who do like what we've done since then, which is pretty good. Like our biggest song on Spotify is uh, "Add." Mm-hmm. So, so there are haters, but they're not. Uh, the haters haven't won at least with that battle.
0: Yeah, from my perspective, uh, I hear a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Rev is such a great album. I loved uh, Scott's voice," but they still go to the shows and they still love you. And in Quebec, especially. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people love uh, 10 foot pole, no matter what. But yeah, I hear that. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, sometimes it must be heavy <laughs> for you to just, because yeah. you released like thousands other album after that.
3: So, okay. I
2: mean, it was only 30 years ago, so yeah. well, 29 years ago, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, it it's heartbreaking. It's still like, you know, it hurts my feelings a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm just happy to have a chance to make music. And I'm glad some people like it. You know, yeah. you can't please ev- everybody. And and um,
0: I'm sure I really that... just hope
2: people give the new music a chance.
0: Yeah, but um, that, that's my point. Like people are still there no matter what. In Quebec.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you know, we're, we're not breaking any world records about uh, music mm-hmm. sales you know compared to uh, you know Britney Spears or somebody so <laughs> yeah
3: definitely there's
2: plenty of room for growth yeah. i'll say that
0: <laughs> yeah but still it's great and then after uh, scott left uh how did it, how did it change the songwriting for the next albums for you did it change um, because you were writing already a lot but i'm curious
2: uh well some things changed uh, it's always been like, it's always been, we've tried to get everybody in the band to kind of contribute, but, but um, you know, some people have more experience or mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't want to say better because it's music is so subjective, mm-hmm. but there's sometimes somebody brings in an idea and it's just like, yeah, yeah like, Oh, Ryan Green's the best. Uh, so Ryan Green, the producer, always yeah. had his, his uh, famous thing was like, Oh, you should save that for your solo record. You oh. no. He would say it like, that's such a good idea, but you really ought to put it on your record so that everyone knows you had that great idea. But then really like he's rolling his eyes going, wow, that is not going on the 10-foot pole record. What? Oh, that's...
0: oh I'm surprised about that. Hello.
2: Yeah, you should that's save funny. that for your solo album. <laughs> that's like the greatest backhanded compliment. You should save that for your solo album.
0: Wow. You but, know what? I yeah. never realized, because I've been talking with some musicians for the podcast and I, I'm always like shocked about how, you know, Fat Mike has a lot of things to do about the name of the band, the style sometimes and producers. So I didn't know that you received a lot of, um, you know, not advices, but direction. Yeah, can I say, uh, Yeah,
2: well, um, because in 1993, so we made that Swill record, but we were all just trying to get the band heard. Mm-hmm. And so we had asked Fat Mike to put it on Fat Records and we had asked Brett to put it on Epitaph.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, you know, uh, that's that's why that dialogue started with mm-hmm. Mike was about, you know, like, should we be on Epitaph Records? And, um, oh,
3: yeah.
2: and M- Mike's opinion about Swill was... Um, there's like four good songs on there, so I would do an EP, but I wouldn't put the whole record on fat. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were like, we just made the record and we were really excited about it. It was like, this is the greatest thing we've ever made. Like, how could you only put four songs out? So we were kind of a little insulted about it. Yeah. And um, But then about... Maybe six months later, a few months later, I don't remember when, um, we got a call from Brett Gurowitz at Epitaph. And he said, hey, I love that record. I want to put it out. <laughs> but by then, we had already had time to think about Fat Mike's advice. And we were like, you know what? Would it be possible to make a new record? Because we're kind of embarrassed about Swill now. <laughs> and um, and luckily for us, he said, yeah, sure. And then that's when we, went, we made Rev. And we kind of approached Rev, you know, kind of more seriously. It's like, mm-hmm. this is going to be on a label. Like, people are going to hear this. We need to write better songs. We need oh. to step up our game. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you can tell, like, Rev is a good notch above Swill. And, um, you know, over the years, the songwriting style, how we collaborate has changed. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still mostly like the back of my head is where the lyrics come like almost all the lyrics are are me over the years, and then music I try to like get the guys to put stuff in, and then I pick mm-hmm. and choose, not necessarily as what my favorite, but also what like what makes a lyric come out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Scott Holquist, the other Scott, the Scott that's uh, up in Quebec, um, for example, writes all these amazing guitar riffs, and and I I literally like my one of my processes now besides when I come up with a song is listening to his music over and over again and trying to imagine singing over it mm-hmm. and just trying to imagine words. So like if I pick a song and it, or turn something into a song, it doesn't mean that that was the best song. Or like musically, it might just be the one that words came to me on. So it's, oh. you know, it's hard to say like how a song really like comes out because at the end of the day, you, you want to have a, a complete idea, yeah. but you also ha- want to have the, the best music you possibly can and and um i'm not sure i'm still not sure like what's the like best way to get there so i'm i'm still trying i i still want to have like that one record that just people hear it it's just undeniable and you know they play it at every hockey game that (laughs) that's my idea my idea of success is when they're like at the beginning like like when uh when queen we will rock you comes on like that's my idea of success when everyone in the crowd's going like (laughs) boom 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 boom. so i need to write one of those songs
0: what about bro him from pennywise (laughs) because it's also a hockey song
2: (laughs) yeah yeah in a way and and certainly like that yeah that's definitely their like you know what they'll always be remembered for yeah but um yeah I, i mean i guess i feel like as long as i'm still writing music there's still that chance. Like there's some people that hear our our songs, like Add or mm-hmm. or uh, Never Look Back or The Getaway, for example, and and like think of that as a classic punk anthem. But uh, you know, I'd like to write something that's like bigger than that. Yeah. So I'm still trying. That's what keeps me like excited about like like you know if I hear new songs like um, like when I first heard Muse. Mm Right, like when I when I heard Refused the first time, I heard uh, the that old Refused album on Epitaph. Like, I just went like Wow!" And I'm still excited about um, the possibility of something being better.
3: Mm. So
2: I'm I'm still writing. Like I I want to keep going as long as I can sing and play guitar and do my do my little thing.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned the Getaway," and someone asked me to ask you, "What does the song mean to you?" Because it's his favorite. And what's the story behind it?
2: Yeah, well, um, it's kind of a tricky one. Like, it, uh, I wrote that in Hollywood, and there literally were a bunch of car chases going on. So, like, the literal thing of that of like someone being in a car chase was <laughs> was the um, inspiration of like, yeah, oh. let's write a song about a car chase. But um, I liked. I, I always imagine that song is kind of my version of my way. You know when Frank Sinatra sings, you know, Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. You know, I did it my way. So to me the getaway was kind of like my my way, like, you know, I always oh. dreamed I'd have it all da 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 da, but I kind of hope that people uh I mean, the literal idea of the car chase is a bit goofy. So I kind of hope people um think about it metaphorically. Like, you know, I need to make a getaway. I had to make a choice and I made it and now I got to live with it. And here we are. So it's kind of, um, I mean, I don't want to get too specific, but I just hope that people can uh, think of it as a metaphor.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Some Two people also told me that they feel like sometimes you write very dark lyrics, very sad lyrics, and they mentioned both of them... uh, the unleashed album so what where were you i mean um, not mentally but it was it something therapeutical is that a word <laughs> therapeutic yeah. for you and yeah. at that time i, I probably
2: well i've always tried to avoid getting a therapist because then maybe i wouldn't be able to write any lyrics <laughs> <laughs> but like i need to keep like half broken because if if everything's going well and you're happy and you're just living your life freely and happily, I mean, maybe you'll write songs like, because I'm happy. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe (laughs) I'd write better songs. I don't know, but I haven't tried it yet. Um, I think, I think for a lot of songwriters, it's just kind of um, like, I don't, I don't keep a diary or keep like a, a like Mm -hmm. write my little things. It's more like my thoughts come out in, in lyrics. So I, you know, there's not like specific events that I would discuss or talk about but mm-hmm. I think yeah like the lyrics is a way to kind of express if not something actual or like mm-hmm. literal it could be just a, a feeling or a vibe or um yeah you know a state uh, of like mind. songs mm. yeah it I kind of look at songs like poetry and movies and all that it's all like it's all make believe but we do it in a way to try to like um, tell some kind of truthful truth about life.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: and a lot of times that truth has to do with emotions, how we're feeling and how things should be versus how they are. Frustrations mm-hmm. or anxiety or angst or all those different things. And, and that's one reason I love being in the in the punk genre is that no one's going to be mad if I write a song about, uh you know, a car chase, or you know, like a—I was just thinking about high standard, uh, like a song about not wanting to pick up the dog poop.
0: Or dig, 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 dig.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I like—I could sing yeah. whatever I want. Everything. I, I mean, people might complain, but it's not like you know, if if you're Madonna or somebody, you have a lot more like kind of restrictions based mm-hmm. on the genre and totally. people's expectations and. There's a lot more angry people because everyone's gonna listen to her songs, whereas mine it flies under the radar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And people in the punk scene are generally open minded and they are just happy to have some music and
2: Yeah. 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 Maybe they're open minded. Or or maybe there's just not enough of them to create a big stir, you know. Like if I wrote something that was really, really like outrageous mm-hmm. nobody would know about it so it wouldn't matter you know unless it gets viral on tiktok or something then everyone would be like who is that jerk we better <laughs> find him and you know oh. get the torches out
3: yeah get the
2: mob mob out to the house
0: oh oh uh i really like the new album winning and i think it's it's a f- nice concept that she started the album with uh can we stop trying to win or something like that was it like like I don't know a concept you had in mind and, or.
2: Yeah, I was kind of thinking about, um, I was kind of thinking about, uh, competition a -hmm. a lot and, um, and, uh, uh, like culture wars and, and, um, this thing about, you know, trying to be better and all and, and comparing ourselves. I think one thing with, with the internet and social media with, the rise of that has everyone is just comparing yourselves Mm -hmm. to other people all the time. And I think it's really, um, it can be devastating. It can, you could just get focused on that and, and, um, be, and it's depressing a lot of times. Like at the end of the day, there's all, there's, there's not winners and losers. There's just different people on a spectrum. And a lot of it has more to do with how you imagine it than, than anything. A, A lot of the people who are quote winning, I mean, look at like, um, look at how, how many suicides there are among rock stars. Mm. Look at like Lincoln park, like the people who are some of the biggest rock stars in the world who in the music industry, one, they have one bad record. And all of a sudden they're like, Aww. just that pushed them over the edge. And, and, um, or I shouldn't even say bad record one, something that, makes their audience unhappy Mm -hmm. for whatever reason maybe it wasn't a bad record it was just not what people expected or whatever
0: Mm -hmm. I love the new um, ones yeah Mm -hmm.
2: so that that idea of competition and comparing yourself to others just uh um was on my mind a bit and uh you know can we stop trying to win being this idea that like I mean I mean a lot of the basic themes are kind of a kind of if you really like narrow it down, if you really like dumb it down, it's been said a lot before, like, you know, we're, we're stronger if we help each other rather than hurt oh, each yeah. other. It's, it's pretty obvious, but no one wants to hear that same old obvious thing over and over again. So we put it in different words, <laughs> like, don't be a dick, We ah! stop trying to win. I mean, a lot of it is kind of the same theme, I guess, is just trying to convince people to be cool to each other oh, at yeah. the end of the day. Like, let's stop like like ripping each other apart and to try to help each other out a little bit and it makes life a lot nicer i think
0: mm. you know what what helps me to because i'm a lot on social medias and what what helps me not to compare is to remember that people don't compare me with other people like it's it's all in you're our lucky head. then
3: <laughs> i mean maybe
0: they do but i i people as have other things to do than compare people yeah. together like sometimes yeah. they do but i think we overestimate the <laughs> the time that people
3: compare themselves M-
2: i yeah i i think so i think in general we do probably but but um but there are even in punk rock like i'll say with with our band like we said before about changing singers true like for for some reason even 30 years later instead of people saying do you like these guys or not? They're like, oh, do you like it better with Dennis or oh, with Scott? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: it's like, it's like there has to be this thing and there has to be a winner. Or um, another thing that I I I understand that it's fun for some people, but for me, I just hate it. Like those uh like, is yeah. this song better or this song? It's uh, like, it's just a different <laughs> song. Why do you have to have a, you know, it's not a wrestling match. When you write a song, you didn't think, think like, oh yeah. oh yeah, I'm in a, put this up against Pennywise song and see who wins like who care like but I understand it's just a way to get people engaged and say their yeah, opinions
0: I think it's but, a starting point of a discussion about music sometimes but I yeah I agree in in that case yeah comparison is very uh, huge <laughs> that's right
2: yeah it reminds me, oh. I don't, I don't look at them often, but it reminds me of, um, those like fashion magazines who said like who wore it better oh. and they have a picture of somebody wearing the same dress oh, and yeah, it's that's... like, you know,
0: so toxic. it's just, oh. it's just
2: brutal. If you're the loser on that, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> You're oh. like there'll be like a, a middle-aged woman and then like someone like 10 or 20 years younger and <laughs> be like yeah sorry uh you know <laughs> so true
3: oh la la
0: You're so right about that <laughs> um by the way one to uh the song take back your voice is probably in my top three now of 10 Foot Pole song it's so oh, nice
2: yeah scott you, you uh, scott holquist wrote that music and it's like
0: oh i didn't so, even know yeah. that was this this one yeah it's really yeah. good the the vocal melodies it's so catchy but so powerful
2: nice yeah he he wrote the music and i wrote the lyrics and um and uh and the me- melodies of, the, of that part and and uh and i kind of helped with uh like arranging it like he wrote the the, the parts mm. and then i kind of arranged like different things so that Cause I wanted to come back and, you know, like what was the, the chorus or not. I think that's when I arranged, I can't remember. Like, cause a lot of times, you know, we write parts together and mm-hmm. then just kind of like see what, what ends up being, um, like the intro versus the chorus versus the, the, the verse. Um, but yeah, I thought that, that song especially kind of felt like we mentioned refused or refused. It kind of reminded me of refused a little bit and, um, kind of that kind of anthem, you know, so take good. back your voice. Oh, and yeah. it, and it, had, it has a nice message too It's kind of like a, You know A little more uh, A little more angst in it I guess In the In the delivery
0: Yeah <laughs> uh, No it's very powerful melody Very good wanted to talk to you because you're very busy like you yeah you're gonna start touring again like you're gonna i'm trying yeah. back soon
2: yeah um well i'm not when is this gonna come out do you know what do, like do you put these out pretty quick after we record
0: uh yeah on monday
2: oh great um so yeah at the um well actually anthony i should mention anthony from people of punk rock records has been kind of like an angel investor for 10 foot pole like Mm -hmm. by by putting us on people of punk rock records he's and he's really i mean he even did my denny jaggard audio um uh website like he's just been so supportive and Mm -hmm. and and uh, like helped us on tours and stuff and um really helping the band kind Mm -hmm. of be able to survive through, especially through the pandemic. And, and even before that, it's just, uh, it's, it's tough being a a band, you know, in in our style of music outside of Quebec, there's not enough audience to justify doing the touring that the, all the expenses and time that that it takes to do it. So, you know, you're lucky you live in the, um, kind of the Mecca of punk rock. Oh yeah. If you will. And, um, But, uh, so my point with that was, uh, Anthony invited me to just go up and do, I guess there was an acoustic festival already in the planning. Mm -hmm. And so based on that, he said, why don't you just come up here for a weekend? And I said, okay. And then it turned into four shows. So,
3: um,
2: so I'm pretty excited about it. And, uh, I'm so excited that I, I'm, I haven't played for a long time. And so I wanted to kind of warm up and I was too lazy to book shows. Mm. So, um, (laughs) here in, in my home, I'm having two house parties, um, in a few days to practice so that I don't suck in Quebec (laughs) last time. Um, yeah, when I did a, um, me and Chris Del Rio did an acoustic tour Mm -hmm. a few years back and we didn't rehearse at all. It was literally just like, I met Chris in Quebec and, outside, um, backstage, we were learning the songs together. <laughs> and, um, so I thought, uh, this time I should practice once or twice before I go and, um, in front of an audience. And I, I used to play a lot more in front of an audience, but the last year, uh, because of pandemic stuff, hmm. um, it's been pretty limited. I was on tour as a sound engineer for Weird Al Yankovic.
3: Yeah. And,
2: um, it was 133 shows Ooh. and over, over six months. And in order to do that, we had to be really strict with all the COVID, um, mask wearing and we had to stay in a bubble. Basically I got tested every single day
3: and,
2: and I originally had planned a bunch of acoustic shows on that tour on my days off. And I had to cancel all that because the, um, like I wasn't even really supposed to eat in a restaurant, for example, Mm
3: -hmm. like just not
2: be around people like. Like if I went to a restaurant, I had to get the food to go or if only could eat if, uh, outside if they had outdoor seating. Um, so, wow. Um, so my point being that I hadn't rehearsed very much in front of people. So I've been singing on my own, but when, when I'm by myself, I don't have trouble. I usually remember the lyrics. It's, it's when I'm in front of an audience that all of a sudden my brain goes down different places than it would if I was by myself and and um sometimes all of a sudden the lyrics disappear. Oh. So I so I'm having some house parties.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, so and, you're you're going to play in Quebec in at the end of March. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's four shows at the end of March and then the other thing about house parties is I'm trying to do I'm trying to work my way to Quebec in the late summer and um to to do house parties by myself. On the way to Quebec, so that I could rehearse there because <laughs> Guillaume, our drummer, is in Quebec, and Scott—yeah, assuming Scott's still there—yeah, Hulquist. Then um, that's like half the band is already in Quebec. So the idea was to do house parties and then um, rehearse the band and still do acoustic shows and then actually like tour a ten-foot pole the band mm. like uh, like around September, or October. Oh,
3: that's a good so plan. That,
2: it's kind of a loose plan, but. I also wanted to mention it now so that people hear about this, they think about whether they would want to have a house party. Oh yeah. Like I bought a little PA just so I could like have my own (laughs) sound system. Cause I always wanted my own little sound system for a house party. It hasn't arrived yet. It's supposed to arrive tomorrow. So I'm super excited about it. And uh, like, so I'll bring like a little PA and have like a little light show and, and uh, tell stories and, you know like have like punk rock music in the background and try to make a party out of it mm-hmm. punish people for you know 40 minutes or so like i won't sing for too long because i don't <laughs> want them to hate me and uh. then um yeah so instead of people having to like go to a club or whatever they they just host a party and have their friends come over so and-
0: much fun i love house party to play with my band too so oh and by the way i'm gonna miss one of your show because i'll do a house party <laughs> at one hour uh, oh really hour drive. yeah so I'll miss the first one but well, I'll be there at uh, Saint Augustin yeah oh
2: nice nice
0: yeah at least I'll see one of, of the shows for sure
2: I hope the house party thing works okay but that's the basic idea is that you know when people go they don't have to hire a babysitter uh, the booze is cheap they could go to Costco <laughs> and get a bunch of booze they don't have to pay for parking
3: True. oh
2: um, yeah all, all the, all the different things, like their bathrooms cleaner than a club. Um, <laughs> they could invite only their friends. Yeah. So anyway, true. it's a little more expensive because I'm basically like asking for a deposit to kind of secure the mm-hmm. date. And then, and then I sh- show up, but the cool thing is that then I don't have to worry about promotion. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the one, one thing that yeah. sucks about touring is like, Oh, are we selling enough tickets in Winnipeg or whatever? Oh. Instead, it's going to be like, well, Joe in Winnipeg paid me 500 bucks. So I'm going to show up. I don't care how many yeah. tickets he sells. <laughs> he could sell a thousand tickets. That's great because, you know, if he's happy,
3: yeah. like
2: I won't be mad if there's a thousand people there. So if if Joe, you know, sells a thousand tickets at 10 bucks each, then
3: mm-hmm. that's
2: his $10,000 minus the 500 he paid me.
0: Oh, that's there great. You know. Also, our shows are all ages and we, we need all ages <laughs> venues <laughs>
2: these days. Yeah. And it, maybe it's in the backyard, so it could bother the neighbors, depending on if, if you're like Anthony, where your neighbors don't care and you're okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. But yeah, he's
0: doing amazing. Warp core, because core, yep. <laughs> core in French means backyard. So it's Anthony's warp core.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: Oh, yeah, he's great. Um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned it. You're also a, um touring sound man for, like, big artists and... How long have you been doing this?
2: Um, I started when I was about uh, 11 years old. So I, I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Whoa. And, and um, I didn't think I would still be doing it. I thought I would become a lawyer or some kind of, you know, successful <laughs> professional. But um, so I, I went to school at UC Berkeley. Like I was a straight A student at UC Berkeley, like a very competitive school. Nice. And um, a lot of my friends ended up being lawyers. But when I got out of school, I started looking for a job and I didn't know what to do with my life. And then, um, my, my, so my dad, uh, my dad was a rocket scientist. Like he worked with missiles and things like that. And, um, for NASA or inertial navigation systems for, really? um, for war crimes kind of stuff. But on the side, he had this, uh, sound company and film company. And cause his dad was a sound engineer. Mm. And, um, so basically um, I ran my family's sound company and and kind of helped build that up. And then when I got out of school, my dad made me an offer to run his sound company. So um, at the time, I thought it was a pretty good deal. It ended up being a pretty good deal for my dad because we we didn't negotiate very well about um, how we were going to decide what was profit. I was basically going to get paid the profit, but we we didn't have a a, a good plan in place about what would be uh, capital investments in the company versus profit. Oh. So a lot of times we spent all the profits on buying more speakers. So the sound company <laughs> got bigger, but then I didn't make any money, <laughs> yeah. which was uh,
3: mm.
2: kind of <laughs> a that little bit work. on, uh, pretty typical for my family's work ethic. Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, us- utilizing your children for labor and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so as a kid, we were carrying around speakers and we had stages and football games and things. But, uh, but anyway, but that was a lot more fun for me than a lot of the other ideas. I guess also I was scared because I didn't really know what it would be like to, um, to go into these other fields, Mm -hmm. you know? So I had a, I had a great degree, but you know, did I want to go to law school and spend three or four years? And at different times in my life, I thought, okay, I'm going to stop doing sound and start doing law school. But then I thought, okay, well, in three or four years, I'm going to go deep into debt to pay for school Mm. and not make all the money that I would make as a sound engineer. And um, that was a big, uh, that was to me a big investment Mm and in something that I didn't know if I would like. So I just kept doing sound and it seemed like every time I was about to quit and become a lawyer or do something else, uh, something would happen in my career. Um, For example, in around 2006, is one of the times I almost, I, I actually took the LSAT. I was going to go to law school. And then, and then right after that, I got a job working for Prince.
0: Yeah. Oof. That's a and nice it kinda gig. It's kind of like,
2: like, do you know how many lawyers hate their lives and would be like, would kill to work for Prince? <laughs> so I was kind of like, do I really want to go like a half million dollars in the negative to become a lawyer mm. and leave the, yeah. You know? So Nice. And, and then after the Prince gig, I had some other like ups and downs, but I did um, 500 shows for Jimmy Eat World.
0: Oh, I didn't know a that. Lot. Oh, that's great.
2: Yeah, fi- 500.
3: Whoa. And um, mm.
2: I did monitors for AFI for about a year and a half for a whole tour cycle um, before Jimmy Eat World. And then so my latest big customer uh, was uh, Weird Al Yankovic. And I think I've done about 300 shows now. I'm not on... He's actually out on tour right now and I'm not mm-hmm. on it and that's a long story but I'm actually glad to be kind of home with the family and, and uh, writing songs and, and getting ready for, for for me to be in the spotlight and get on stage because being mm-hmm. on a bus for six and a half months away from the family was grueling. That was oh. hard.
0: Uh, Scott told me that I should ask you about me. <laughs> okay, you have... I don't know the story but... He told me to ask you about Prince at the Super Bowl. I don't know what, what is he
2: talking about? Let's see. Oh, I know what he means. Um, <laughs> and and this will be good because it, it's related to French speaking. Uh, oh. I can't remember now. I can't remember now if the guy was French or if he was Québécois. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I was the sound engineer for Prince at the Super Bowl. But because it's the huge. Super Bowl, uh, yeah, it was huge. My role was somewhat limited because they already have like all these union guys that run. Like the main, the main sound engineer at the Super Bowl that matters is the broadcast engineer, and that's mm. the one that's like mixing for the TV, and um, and then there's another one that mixes for the stadium and whatnot. So. But long story short, the most important thing that I did at the Super Bowl was to keep the guitar tech from being fired.
0: <laughs> okay. It's so the, the same, guitar okay, tech. It's the same story. that <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. That's epic. Oh,
2: have you already heard this?
0: I think because it's Oh, okay. I don't
2: want to retell it.
0: No, 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 no. Uh, you have to tell the listeners. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, you- OK, <clears throat> I, I didn't want to I didn't want to retell it if I already told it on your no, podcast. No, 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 no. You know, that's a hard thing about a storyteller like me is <laughs> I don't I don't remember which t- stories I've told or I haven't. So, you know, just it's kind of like, stop me if you've heard this one before.
0: No, no, um, I, I, the <clears throat> listener I have to listen to this. Go ahead. Super Bowl. print OK, so. Print
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So we're we're at the Super Bowl rehearsal, which could be the main Super Bowl. Well, so. So the way they do the Super Bowl is is um it's it's a very difficult show because all the gear has to be brought through these narrow tunnels out into the middle of the field right during halftime, and there's there's like 12 minutes or something to do it. Ooh. And and so the parts of the stage get rolled out through the tunnel and then everything gets connected. And it's like not just sound and lights, but there's also pyro techniques. There's oh there's all kinds of stuff. Power yeah. Oof, lights, yeah. um, sound uh there's a, a bunch of stuff hazer you know like everything um so but but because of that because of that stress like if something goes wrong and a failure the like 2 days before it they do a rehearsal a full dress rehearsal mm-hmm. and the idea is that if at the dress rehearsal if the main show fails you've got your dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that's just kind of the backstory. So we're getting ready to do the dress rehearsal and, um, the guitar tech Prince was having trouble with guitar techs. Oh. We had several different ones and, um, they would kind of come and go. So like I was actually his guitar tech sometimes because he couldn't find one for a show. Oh. And, um, and I'm not a guitar tech, but I I tuned his guitar one time before he went out on a BTV, uh, BET awards show like a huge TV show with Chaka Khan and I'm sitting there tuning his guitar and handing it to him going like, I hope he likes the tuning. You know? <laughs> Cause if he doesn't like it, I'm fired as a sound engineer and everything. Right. But anyway, so, so for a while, um, right before the Super Bowl, um, we, he had hired, um, the guitar tech for, uh, Celine Dion. Mm. And I can't remember if the guy is Quebecois or full French. Um, but Québécois. anyway, he had, uh, you think so? Um, yeah, maybe so, but, uh, well, really nice guy. And, and I'm sure he was a great guitar tech, but, um, so during, well, also I should mention, so during the Super Bowl, uh, the guitar rig was underneath the stage. Mm-hmm. So Prince is playing a guitar wirelessly, but all his pedal board and everything's underneath the stage. So oh. it's up to the guitar tech to oh. hit the pedals for <laughs> him. Like if you're going to hit, like if he's going to play a solo and he wants like a chorus and a delay or something on the solo, for example. Without seeing The guitar chick's got to hit it.
0: But could he see him? Yeah.
2: You, well, you you know where you are in the song. Okay. You you have to know the song. Yeah. Because, you know, it's only, a, I think it's only like a 12 minute uh, mm-hmm. show too. I think it was like four songs and, you know, they kind of, it's like a medley. It kind of segues into each other. I'll
0: check but, later you know, there, the video. Mm.
2: Yeah, there was a Foo Fighters song and some Purple Rain and stuff. But anyway, you know, so the guitar tech, it's not hard for a guitar tech, but it's doing that in front of forty million people, <laughs> like hitting the pedals at the right time. <clears throat> like you don't want to make a mistake, right? Shit. But anyway, I don't know what he had done wrong, but on the afternoon of the rehearsal, we were uh, we were we were behind. We were outside the stadium in these little rolling hills. I just remember the rolling grass hills. And, and it was me, Prince, and the guitar tech. And um, I think I was talking to Prince, and the guitar tech walked up. So the the whole reason I'm telling this story is this is my biggest contribution to Prince's Super Bowl show. <laughs> the guitar tech walked up, and he said, I'm sorry. Duh, duh, duh. And Prince just stopped him and said, you know what? you should just get a shirt that says, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked at the guitar tech's face and Prince just kind of like turned around and started walking. And I could see the guitar tech, like getting ready to say something. And I literally walked between them and it was a little bit windy. It was a little bit windy. And I walked between them. I didn't know what to say, but I literally walked between them and went, (laughs) (laughs) while the guitar tech, went fuck you rock
0: star with the middle finger toward prince
2: he was going fuck you rock star but prince didn't hear it because all he heard was (laughs) so i don't know if prince heard it like prince might have heard it but if he did hear it he ignored it um so i basically saved the super bowl because if prince would have heard him and fired him who would have been pressing those pedals? Probably me. (laughs) And if I press those pedals, I probably would have pressed it at the wrong time. So, um,
3: that's a good story. Yeah.
2: So, and, and you could say, well, he wouldn't have said that to Prince's face, but the reality is about three days later at home, he did say that. And then he quit. And then that was it.
0: Okay. So it was real. Like a rough (laughs) time.
2: Yeah. He was going to quit, but I was the one who saved the three days. So that, cuz cuz that um that Super Bowl show was like probably the best Super Bowl show ever. Like most people, well, a lot of people would say. It was a great show and even with the rain they they kept it and they used the real Super Bowl show not the dress rehearsal. But um if that guitar tech wasn't there, I don't know that it would have been a great show.
0: You so, would have been so. a Danny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you Danny. Oh, that's so great. Uh but yeah so uh you're on the road very often um so i wonder if it influenced your songwriting do you have time to to write songs when you're on tour with other artists like with uh, weird Al or prince or
2: um yeah that's a good question i i try to write but it is hard to write when you're um hearing a lot of sound a lot mm-hmm. because uh like when i'm home for example a few days ago or maybe even it's been a couple of weeks now, I wrote this music I really like, and I have this melody I really like, and it's going through my head constantly.
3: Mm.
2: I haven't figured out the lyrics yet, but the reason it's going through my head is because there's not other songs going. Mm-hmm. And, and if I was doing sound for Jimmy World or something, you there'd have, be so many other songs. And then you yeah. start hearing that artist's songs in your head, even in your spare time.
3: Uh, and so it kind right.
2: of crowds out the ability to write, I think. Oh. So when I'm touring, I usually try to take a, a, a break during my dinner time. With Jimmy World, often I would go outside and sing to the mm-hmm. people who were standing outside the venues just to punish them a little. <laughs> and um, it also was good for me to rehearse in front of people to, to get used to it. And, um, and sometimes people would like it. And, uh, and um, so that was like a nice way to get away from my, my job and take yeah. a break but I wouldn't say that there's like that much room for songwriting on days off, you know, I could, I could get some writing done, but yeah. On the, on the six months I was out with Weird Al last year there, I didn't really write any new songs, but I did do a lot of work with marketing, like with, with winning, Mm -hmm. with winning coming out, I was able to do a lot of like work with, you know, a lot of it is like kind of engagement with the audience, um, Mm. You know, we have a new record and people want to talk about it and hear about it. And and um, I, I don't I mean, I don't have the the best way to um, the best plan for things, but it seems like it helps if you just like I answer all of 10 foot poles mail. Mm-hmm. I, I answer I, I do Instagram. I do the Facebook. Yeah. I very rarely do Twitter. But, I, you know, if someone does Twitter, it is me. <laughs> and and same with uh, TikTok. And and you, we have YouTube as well But like if you write to us On Instagram or Facebook It's me answering Oh, cool So um, That's great I, Yeah, I mean l- Luckily or sadly We're not big enough To where we need to hire Someone to do that for us So And I think it's kind of uh, I, I think at least some people Appreciate that it's really me doing it And, oh, and yeah. appreciate the,
0: So um, true
2: Direct contact mm.
0: And how do you balance all your life Cause, because you have kids uh you have family and you have a band, but you are touring with other artists, so it's it's intense
2: it's tricky um I mean one way is it you'll you'll notice that we're not playing um well I'm trying to tour a ten foot pole near the end of the year, mm-hmm. but um we're not going out all the time. Like some bands are like frequently like playing every festival and mm-hmm. just going all the time. And uh, I'm kind of being a little more choosy about what we should or could do because especially where we live, it, it's mm-hmm. so hard just to get together to rehearse. Yeah, So true. you know, people are like, oh, how come we don't play in Texas? And it's like, well, for us to play in <laughs> Texas means <laughs> we'd have to rehearse and then we'd have to get, you know, like all, you know, it, it's just not, it's not going to happen. It's not easy. You know, if if we were bigger, like the Foo Fighters, we would just like, you know, you could like live somewhere and then take a private jet yeah. <laughs> to different places. But for us, it's like to get to Texas, we'd pretty much have to like do a tour where our route takes us through other cities. And um, even if there are enough fans in Texas or or um, Florida or something, how do we get there? Like, yeah, um, you have
0: to do a tour for it. to Yeah.
2: And, and there aren't very many cities around Texas that want to see a 10 foot pole show. (laughs) Like new Orleans is is tough. For example, like between Florida and Texas is not too bad. There's new Orleans, but between Texas and California is a lot of hours of driving. So I guess the answer to your question about balance is I, I try to say no more often as I get older. Um, There was one time when I pushed 10 foot pole too hard, It was in 1999 when Insider came out, Mm -hmm. we did about maybe five or six months straight of touring. And, um, I remember one time, for example, we had a few days off in between a Canada tour and a Europe tour. And then we got this Mexico tour and I put it in there. And, um, uh, basically at the end of that, like two of my guys quit, I think, you know, and, and. just, I just drove them too hard. You know, it's, it's easy when people are like saying, oh, then you should do this. this, Then you should do that. It's like, oh yeah, we're already together. We're going to be here. We'll just fly to Mexico. Then we'll do this. And like, especially as we get older, that stuff's less exciting. And it's more like, oh really? You're not going to take a break?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah. Saying no is important sometimes. (laughs) Ah.
2: Yeah. But I couldn't do it when I was younger. I always had to say yes
0: that's a that's a necessary phase to say yes to everything and then you're like okay i need to slow down a little i yeah. have a few questions from the listeners um okay someone said do you did you notice that you have a similar range as Weirdal? <laughs> a vocal a similar range, range. A, vo- a similar um, vocal <laughs> someone maybe
2: said maybe I'm going to take a 10 second break and open the door for my dog, who mm-hmm. I think is outside barking. I'll be right back. All right.
3: Is that you, Pixie? No. Hello,
0: Lashian. Good girl. No barking, okay? It's not a shame. Okay. Can you be good? I want to see her.
2: Uh oh. She's pretty excited now that she's in here. Oh, hello. Okay. Go to lay down. Oh, good girl!
3: Who's the best doggy? (laughs) Oh,
2: well, I don't know if she's going to be good. Um,
0: But yeah, see uh, her range.
2: Weird Al actually has a really good range. He probably has a better, uh, a bigger range, uh, at least as far as hitting high notes and low notes than I do. But um, yeah, he he puts in that like uh, I'm going to sing like this sometimes. But uh, he actually has a really uh, beautiful voice when he wants to, when he doesn't want to do the silly voice. The joke's um, voice.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Because yeah, um, on, uh, like, like some of my favorite songs is when he just, like, sings really natural, like, on cover songs. He, um, on the tour, we just did that 133-show tour. Mm. Like, on the, last, uh, on the last show, which was at Carnegie Hall, he did uh, um, Feel Like a Woman, -hmm. Feel like a natural woman, uh, whatever that song is, but yeah, like his his voice when he sings uh, naturally is, uh, uh, I think is just amazing. I I love working with him. Hopefully, I'll get my job back and be able to tour with him next year. I think he's going to do a lot, like some big tours next year. I'm guessing, and um, hopefully, by me staying off of this one, I was just too burned out, and uh, Mm -hmm. there were some challenges on this that were too much for me.
3: Yeah, but
2: uh, hopefully, I'll get my gig back and. We'll see. It's it prob- just depends how my replacement does. I'm, I might've got beat out, but you never know. It was a, a risk I had to be willing to take.
0: Yeah. That's the the risk, but it's probably super fun to tour with him.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work, but it can be, it, it's fun, but also grueling and a lot of work And that, uh,
0: pressure, you know, maybe six or...
2: months is, was a long time to be away from the family. And
3: that's insane. I
2: needed to be home and kind of recuperate for a while. And, Try to help, you know. I got teenagers and stuff too, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. it's it's challenging to be a parent and and uh, especially be away mm-hmm. for for a long time.
0: Yeah,
2: my doggie missed me a lot. Oh, I,
0: I want to yeah. s- send me a picture later. <laughs> um, uh, what's your favorite amp to record with, and what amp or cab do you take on tour? So let's talk. Oh, about guitar,
2: that. guitar talk. Well, um, I just got some new speakers. I think they're called V they're eminence VP 77. And, um, I haven't taken them on tour yet, but I'm excited to try. Cause I did have what was more typical Celestia vintage 30, but this new one is, uh, uh, what's the band slipknot. They were actually made for the guy in slipknot and they're supposed to have, a uh, a vintage sounding high end, which is kind of like a distorted, but gently distorted high end, but a tight low end. So for your guitar is real tight. So, so far that sounds like what these sound like to me. Although I have to admit, I've just used them in my house and it's a lot lower level than that. Um The amp I'm using now, I didn't even plan to buy it. I actually bought it because there was a guy selling a 212 cabinet. So I always toured with a 412 cabinet, which is pretty big. And I wanted to uh, get down to a 212. There was a guy selling this EVH 212 cabinet for pretty cheap, and it looked brand new, but he wouldn't separate it from the amp. So I paid a little extra and got the amp, and I love the amp. And now I don't even use that 212 cabinet because I also got a different, just a basic one from Eminence, the same company that made the speakers. And that's the one that I've got those, those new speakers oh. in, which I love. So uh, yeah, so like I've got this EVH amp that sounds really good. I mean, it's pretty common in punk rock, you know, like mm-hmm. Mesa Boogie or EVH is pretty common. Um, they They sound pretty shreddy. I'm pretty excited about that um it's a little too big to carry so if i was going to carry one like on flights mm-hmm. to europe uh the amp that i have been using is a Hughes ketner grandmeister 40 i think it's called grandmeister the germans have uh, interesting names for things but it's um it it's uh, small enough that it, it could fit in a, um an overhead because mm-hmm. it's what do they call it a lunchbox size amp oh so, a lunchbox I'd show you if I had an easy way to move, but I have it on the laptop. It's uh-huh. hard to hard to see it. But um, but yeah, actually, you know what? I'll grab it. Why not?
0: Oh, yeah. I... Yeah.
2: I think I can reach it without strangling myself on the headphones. <laughs> Plus, if I do, then that'll be just more I'll fun. I want to see
0: the dog. Oh, oh, okay. oh hold on small. a second.
2: Let me see if I can show the dog here.
1: Oh, Moshé. Oh, wee. The,
2: Oh, there she is. Hello. She's on Moshé. the ground behind me. Oui. Oh. <laughs> she's an Australian cattle dog kind oh. of, of a red healer. Oh. Her mom was like a pure, like a. She used for breeding them, but but Pixie was the illegitimate offspring, of a oh. of a dog that wasn't supposed to breed with I don't know what she is she's maybe half Labrador or something
3: Mm -hmm. she's cute and then
2: uh, basically her mom was caught floozying around having an unauthorized litter but then I got them both as a rescue and uh, we fixed it so that her mom didn't have to do any more breeding so this is the this is the Hughes Kettner amp which is see how small it is so so this could fit even in a CRJ this would fit like under a seat or in the overhead
3: Ah, it's so,
0: pretty.
2: So th- this is nice. It's like a German tube amp. It's a real German tube amp. Um, but I'm I'm not sure if it doesn't sound as good as the EVH. The EVH is probably three times as big as this. Mm. But um, but about the same power. But uh, to my ear, the EVH sounds better, but I haven't actually AB'd them. It could just be that I was so excited to get an amp that I wasn't expecting to get that I just started playing it and just haven't turned it off yet. Yeah. Or it really sounds better. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Um, okay, last question. Do you remember playing in an elementary school gymnasium, gym, gym, long time ago in Septil in the north of Quebec? Do you remember that? Wasn't it elementary? Was it
2: was X large there?
0: Probably, yeah, probably.
2: I I I have kind of a memory of that, but I I could be wrong. No, no, but no. I I want to say we played a gig with X Large in a Setil. elementary school.
0: It's Setzil uh, in a. Gym oh Setzil,
2: a... yeah. Oh, we only played one time there. Oh, so it's... can I tell you a story about that?
0: Yeah, probably it's the same story <laughs> that I've heard. No. Oh,
2: have it? you already heard it about know, the one I on the highway? The
0: no, the highway no, story. No, I don't know that. that okay,
2: one. so so we went to. So we, we went to Septile, the the road was pretty rough and, um, we stopped and got, went to a gas station that had a Subway sandwiches. We had some sandwiches, no big deal. We left the gas station and maybe an hour later about, I don't know, I don't want to exaggerate. I'm sure at least five, but maybe more than five police cars swarmed us on the highway Stopped traffic and pulled us Whoa. over, guns out. What? <laughs> and came up. Gunned and the guy's out like, and I'm like, you speak English, please. <laughs> guns and out then, in
0: Quebec?
3: You kidding? In set,
2: set till like on along the highway. Whoa. And then uh, uh and then um a woman came up, one of the other officers, and she said you know, who are you guys? What are you doing here? And I said, we're just a a band. And she goes, Oh, Oh, you're a band. And, um, so, you know, our old van was like a white truck that had a couple of black, um, windows in it. It looked like a refrigerator really. Um, so she said, she said, well, some people saw you at subway and they thought it was very, uh, suspicious that all these, uh, American guys are getting into this big white van. And, and, (laughs) and I was like, Huh, well, it's it's not that sus- suspicious, is it, to have a bunch of guys who play music on the road? <laughs> oh, wow. But it was pretty exciting because they stopped the whole highway. You know, it was only a two-lane highway, but it, it's the main highway. And they stopped all the traffic and had all these, like, you know, the whole light show and, and, um, yeah, wow. it's just us. But what were you doing wrong? You went to Subway. <laughs> so thanks, Jared.
0: Yeah, it's a small city, yeah. Uh, so maybe they. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're like, but you don't remember playing in a gymnasium? What's the word? You know, when where children play sports in elementary school, there are. Yeah, a gym,
2: a gymnasium. Gym.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's the right word. I, I mean, I don't. It's I remember
2: getting pulled nice. over by a bunch of police cars, but I don't remember playing a show in a gym because. Yeah. We played a lot of a lot of shows in gyms. Oh, Okay. Anyway. So it's not that like. You know, and unless something traumatic happened, exactly. My, my brain wouldn't went, uh, like yeah. put a special mark on it.
0: Well, yeah, but it said it's it's been like twenty years, so makes sense if you don't remember. But I love this story. I didn't know that. That's great. All right. Thank well, not you. too
2: many bands go to Septio.
0: No, like because that's
2: way up the road.
0: It's really. I've never been there.
2: I don't think when we went, I don't think many punk bands. Had gone there before. I think we were one of the first. Probably, but to, it makes
0: sense. You played with yeah. X Large.
2: Yeah. I, well, I could be wrong about that too. I'll I might just the guy. You
0: know. I'll ask the guy who told me this.
2: Yeah, uh, it might not have been. Uh, we definitely played a bunch of shows with X Large, but maybe not in Setia. Yeah,
0: I'll check with the guy. Uh, thank you. That was a great chat. Super good. Oh, super fun. Oh,
2: I'm. I hope it. Uh, I hope your your uh, customers enjoy it. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, of course. And I can't wait to see you in like three weeks in St. Augustine.
2: Oh, thank you. And, and uh, let's remind people, 10footpole.com is spelled T-E-N. So uh, T-E-N, footpole. And there you can find all the links to everything else. Yeah, but yeah. like our store and Spotify and Instagram and Facebook. And we do it all. Skateboard decks. Yeah. If you want to have an acoustic party in your house. Maybe in August or September, Mm -hmm. like especially in Quebec, like I want to I want to play all over the place. Yeah. And I'd rather like I love the idea of being in people's backyards, just playing to a small crowd. Like, so great. you know, if people want to do private parties like that, I think in some ways that's more fun than being in a dirty bar. Dirty bars are fun, too, but um,
0: different vibes.
2: Yeah and it's also fun to be able to play more shows mm-hmm. I like playing a lot of shows I'd rather play a lot of little shows than one big show
0: oh yeah that's so, very fun. I'll just put that out
2: there 10footpole.com is the way to get in touch and get all the news right. and whatnot
0: and I'll put the link in the show notes too for the episode
2: uh, well thanks so much Emily. thank and, you it uh, was really fun I really appreciate it
0: to your favorite platform you can share the episodes in your stories and tag me Punk Rocket. you can subscribe to the patreon page if you want to help me financially it's so needed and so appreciated thank you so much i want to say thank you to our sponsors epic merch store and iodine recordings thank you to scott Allquist for your help with the co-production and the edit hope you'll be back next week for another episode of the Punk Rocket Show but until then, punk your life and have a great week. Bye bye! Salut là.